0: You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production.
1: Hello, I'm Mirella Amato. Welcome to Hot Plate, a post-foodie podcast. This season, we examine the impact COVID has had on every aspect of our food system, all the way from farm to table. We'll look at how things have changed and try to untangle what's going on behind the scenes so that we can strengthen our connection to our food. In this episode, cheap shots and pointless advertising. We're talking bars. Hello, Joshna. Hi, Mirella. How are you? I'm well today. And yourself?
0: I'm also pretty good.
1: Nice. What was the last thing you ate?
0: The last thing I ate was a hunk of uh, cheese and salami. Uh, I, I was a bit desperate for a snack and I have a little container of cold cuts which is sort of hilarious for me in my kitchen but a cheese and salami I wrapped the salami around the hunk of cheese and popped it in. oh that's the last time it's a great it's a great little from the fridge thing I think oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh. and it'll keep you going right better than better than a mouthful of sugar uh it'll keep you going cold cuts are definitely one of my weak spots oh my goodness yeah yeah what did you have uh I had
1: a huge salad
0: nice with the
1: with I guess it's called tuna salad on top.
0: Okay. So uh,
1: I basically made like a, uh, the way I make tuna salad is about 50 50 tuna and celery, chopped celery.
0: Okay. I also have a strong celery presence. Your 50 50 wins. Important. For sure. But I'm with you there on the need for that. It, yep, It helps alleviate the guilt of
1: eating fish to thin it out. That way, okay,
0: okay, got Um, it. Also, delicious with the crunch. Uh, It works totally if you chop it up nicely. It's perfect. Yeah, agreed.
1: And it's the only time I use celery salt, but I also had celery salt goes in. Okay, a very celery positive situation. (laughs) Uh, And then I just make a like a normal green salad with every vegetable I can find and and toss that on top. And subsequent to our last conversation, I've been thinking about you know how do I integrate carbs into my salad. Okay. because you had suggested rice or barley that's right and yeah I guess my issue with both rice and barley is the time that in my mind that's something that's time consuming to make Mm -hmm. and when I make a salad it's something I'm whipping together so I think if I had rice or barley in the fridge I would throw it in but it's not uh it, it just wasn't a solution that was working mm-hmm. for me. So what I have mm-hmm. found, mm-hmm. and I'm still wrapping my brain around it because it's not perfect, but at least it's there, is couscous. Yes. Takes five uh, minutes to make. It's not totally. as complex a carb. It's just pasta, basically. But Uh,
0: one uh, thing, uh, one recommendation I will offer is if you're if you are going to do like make a batch of rice to use or make a batch of quinoa or barley, uh, put some of your like dress it like vinaigrette while it's still warm before you put it in the fridge. Okay, Uh, because then it has it'll be it'll be better once that either comes to room temperature or you maybe warm it up a little bit. Uh, the flavor will be better. The consistency will be better. Then it just sort of because once it dries out, it won't drink in your your flavorings as much the second the second it. time round on the you know what I mean on the on the cool down or the reheat. Uh, so dress it while it's warm. It'll drink in all that good flavor, and then the and then as you eat it through the week, it'll be better.
1: Okay, you'll okay. like it more. I'm you'll seeing like a, more. a potential possibility that uh, you know. Rice has been made for a meal and there's yes. some left over, And That's then it. that would lead me into making, putting it in salad. Because I c- I can definitely see that rice or barley would taste yeah. better in the mm-hmm. salad.
0: And a couscous doesn't quite work. Totally. And truthfully. It's just there. <laughs> as we're seeing it right now, you may actually want to think about Israeli couscous. Okay. Right. Israeli couscous is yeah, a larger bigger, grain. The, yeah, yeah, it's like a larger bit. Same sort of pasta-like. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, origins, but I think Israeli couscous of the lineup lends itself best to being served cold.
1: But does it take five minutes to make?
0: It all depends how much you make it.
1: That was the great thing about the couscous because I can boil the kettle while i'm washing the lettuce oh i am and pretty I, sure now and I, I, I want pour to check the boiling water it's on a good the couscous yeah yeah yeah. and yeah, by yeah, the time yeah. i finish making my tuna salad you know the whole th- anyway <laughs>
0: that's a good question we're digressing <laughs> I love that these segments here, but, are turning into the, uh yeah, getting little...
1: cooking advice from Josh. yeah yeah yeah
0: we're uh, okay we're gonna <laughs> i'm gonna, I'm gonna investigate it. the cooking time on the israeli couscous but <laughs> well, we'll report i'll report back <laughs> Okay, so in our uh, ongoing effort this season to focus on the impact of the pandemic on the food industry, today we talk bars uh, and I yes. am really interested in this one because I think there's a lot to say uh so t- let's start let's start talking what uh what were some of the bigger ideas here that happened to bars uh, during the pandemic?
1: Well, I think before we dive in, it's important to recognize that there's a huge overlap between what happened in bars and what happened in restaurants. Okay.
0: Okay. Right. Which okay. is what
1: we covered in episode six. So, All right. you know, it would be fair to say that everything we talked about in episode six that happened in restaurants uh, impacted bars as well. And most of the things that we're going to talk about today also impacted restaurants. We're just going to focus a little bit more on the alcohol side of things. Um, okay. And what we thought we would do this week which is really fun it was a great idea Joshna thank you was to provide a bit of a timeline mm-hmm. because you know the main thing that really impacted bars is all of these changes in legislation and th- right. that happened not only here right it happened all over it the accepted happen parts all over of the, the world that were already liberal indeed uh, with, with their yeah. with their regulations um but it's it's fascinating to to play out. So we're starting in the spring of last year, spring of 2020. And this is the first wave, right? Right. Okay, got it. So in March, the pandemic is declared. Oh, yep. And that very same month, suddenly restaurants are allowed to take out and deliver alcohol.
0: Okay, wait a second, right? Wait a second. Wait, in Toronto. Okay, my memory of pandemic deed, like was like about March fifteenth the 14th, 15th, right was the day it all came crashing down. So within two weeks, We figured out quickly that everybody could take out and deliver. um, Amazing. Right. Amazing. That was unthinkable
1: previously. Right. right? Absolutely. Not even in question. Suddenly they're like, oh, no, we have to do this right now.
0: That is that's okay. It Just like, you know, reminds me of how quickly uh, they figured out that maybe Aunt Jemima's face should come off of that bottle after, you know, after the BLM uprisings and our conversation about race and positioning. All this time. We could have made band-aids everybody's color, you know, but oh yeah. look how quickly they put it together. Fine. All right. It just
1: takes a big uh the right yeah, moment, right? You just need
0: the right moment. Okay.
1: But it speaks to, you know, the importance of alcohol in the overall, you know, price of the the tab, right?
0: That's right. Uh, anywhere that's right.
1: anyone who works uh in the restaurant or bar business will tell you that that's a it's a big piece of the tab, right? The alcohol. That's right. That's right. So Uh, and this being said, there was still a huge loss. It's not like suddenly bars could take out and deliver alcohol and everything was fine. And this ties back actually to the last episode we were talking about in that draft piece.
0: Right. 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 Cause it's not like, it's not like people were all of a sudden delivering the four pints that people might drink as they stop at the pub on the way home from whatever. Right. Of course. Of course. So,
1: you know, alcohol is a, a sizable piece of the bill. And within that piece of the bill, if you're looking, especially an establishment, like a sports bar or something, sure, or a pub. 70% yeah, yeah, yeah. of the alcohol that they're selling is is going to be draft. I mean, look 70%. around. It's, it's draft beer everywhere. Oh, yeah. This is okay. according to uh, our wonderful friend, Steve Riley, who you may okay, remember. Okay. Of from course. Enthusiastic Steve Riley. For 12. Sure. <laughs> yes. He knows all the things draft. Um, and it's interesting because I definitely thought of draft with the breweries and what an impact that. That had been. And it occurred to me to to step back and ask him, you know, what about bars? And, you know, this is this is a huge loss to not be able to serve draft. And it's it's not like you can go ahead and, as you mentioned, deliver it or, That's or, it. or, or stand or provide at your it for door takeout.
0: with a with a hose to a uh, keg. Right. Yeah, 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 there were yeah.
1: some attempts to use growlers, which I don't know if you're familiar. Yes, with. of there course. I was, I was watching of bottles ask that you fill that. from taps. Yep. Um, but that didn't really take off, uh, and so you know these these establishments had to pivot to to bottle sales. But that's it's not the same thing, right? Someone who's going to uh, a sports bar and is having a couple of pints while they're watching the game, they're not going to suddenly go to that same sports bar and order a a bottle of something. It doesn't doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, And draft is a very high, it's a very high margin product. So this this, this, this is a huge loss,
0: right? It's pitchers too. It's not just pints. It's pitchers of beer and a table full of people and watching the game. You'd be there for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So very interesting that there was the impact on, on both sides on the, with the brewers and with the bars. Okay. Huge problem with the draft. Um, and then these people who were selling draft now have to pivot to bottles, and with that, there's another problem which we'll get to later when we talk about legislation in December, right. which okay. is wholesale pricing. I'll just give you a little okay, uh, a little preview. I like
0: it. Um, but like in the it.
1: meantime, uh, there's another regulation, May 2020, and this one I it flew under the radar for me. Did you know about the adjustment of minimum spirits pricing for takeout? Uh,
0: no, no, I don't even know what minimum spirits pricing for takeout is. <laughs>
1: Right. So this is, is a regulation. The yes.
0: uh, this is the AGCO. Okay. Um, Alcohol and-, and Gaming Commission uh, of Ontario. Yes. Very nice. Thank you. Excellent. Um, and uh, so
1: apparently before this change in legislature, if you were buying a, a bottle of spirits from a restaurant or bar, just a small bottle, like a 375 mil, the minimum price you could sell it for was twenty five eighty six. Oh. it's a very arbitrary. And I'm very curious how they wow. got to the 86.
0: And how uh, the, very the round dart number. landed on the board right at 2586. Yeah. <laughs> okay. um,
1: so in May, 2020, they, the AGCO cut that by 33%, meaning that uh, that bottle could now be sold that same bottle for 1732. So that's just a minimum price, right?
0: Okay. And
1: if you consider that these bottles go for 16 to $19 at the LCBO, it's really unfair to say oh. you can't sell it for less than 2586 if you're someone else because that that's not a very competitive
0: situation. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh man. Right. One, um, one so, more leaf in the one more page in the story of paternalism with our with our sales of distribution of alcohol in this province, right?
1: Right, cuz you know, of course the restaurant or bar is going to is going to mark up that uh, that spirit, but it should really be up to them how much they they mark it up and to make a minimum price. So I mean, it also speaks to how we see spirits, right? Or how I was going to say the of
0: spirits here for sure. Yeah, it's just like oh,
1: it's it's very high alcohol. It's very dangerous, so we have to right. you know, we Volatile have to price it high. It um, it's, it's fascinating to me this different view that we have of different beverage not we not you and I obviously the Collective we, yes people yes. and I know in beer I, I come across it all the time in my um in my early days when I was doing beer tastings it happened to me more than once that I tried to secure a venue to do a beer tasting because I noticed that they did wine tastings and I came yeah. in and said I'd like to do a beer tasting here and they said no we beer is not acceptable and it just seemed so weird to it's like I'm doing a beer tasting it's not a frat party
0: Right. You know, like it's right. the same they thing as a wine. Tasting is. I don't know what like they smashing cans on foreheads and like that's so, an inevitability because of who they understand to be beer drinkers, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So
1: so I think this law, this AGCO regulation must have been there because of that. And and to be fair, that regulation was was previously there for indoors. So uh so for example, if you went to uh, any bar the minimum price that you could get a shot for is is $2. You could not get a shot for under $2. Yes, that makes the, sense. So with this 33 percent decrease, now it's a dollar thirty-four, which plays into, you know, the mixed drinks that are sold now. Yes, um, yes. And important to know that the AGCO made the change for takeout and delivery only. So indoors, the prices are still high. But for takeout okay. and delivery, okay. out this uh this lower price. And I don't know if that's gonna stay permanent or not.
0: All right, we shall because see. Because
1: the okay. uh, the regulation was supposed to be for just until the end of the year when takeout and delivery is repealed. But of course, as we know, it was not repealed. So,
0: so we'll see how it all. Let's plays see out. what happens.
1: All right, now we're in summertime, okay. and this was. Uh, a bit of a reprieve, right? Things opened it was. up we, that's a right. little we bit. Got a
0: bit of grace. That's right.
1: Uh, so June 2020, patios were allowed to be extended. And we talked about this a little bit in the last episode, but it was really a free-for-all. <laughs> you know, like the government just said, make the patio as big as you it. want. Yeah, Put it yeah. where you want. We're not going to charge you. It's absolutely fine. Uh, and then shortly later, this is a very interesting one for me. They allowed uh, party boats to to conti- to serve alcohol as long as they were docked, and then the boat could also create like a little patio on land. Wow! The, oh, the boat okay. No and people could just go cost. and get
0: served. Wow! So, oh, wow!
1: Because um, I'm pretty it. sure that previously they were not allowed to serve until they had left and were on their way, and it was a very, you know, uh, a very timed and controlled situation. Right. And now, right? Uh, there was a really but we needed
0: a way to get. Uh- to, we needed a way to open up uh, a cottage season right <laughs> somehow yes <laughs> yeah. so this is what they did okay
1: but it really i have to say allowed for this very convivial
0: joyous i want to yeah. say almost like messy i thought so too you know, outdoor I, I, yes life uh i did notice that into so the new ways that people uh, we're outside, and as Canadians, we're already trying to maximize the amount of time that we can enjoy patio season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, I, I also noticed how one, how like how how different they all looked, for better or yes. for worse, and that there really was very little complaining about the lanes of traffic, the lane, you know, the lanes of traffic literally on the road that have been usurped, right, in this, which effort. normally. Like, It's a big chunk of street traffic. Exactly, motorists in this town do not give that up easily. And but this was, we were all pretty cool with this, which is curious to see.
1: And it was just so lovely to see all. You know, there are a lot of um, partnerships between places that had like you know a big parking lot, and they allowed a nearby uh, restaurant to partner with a nearby bar or a nearby producer, and that's right, create these just vast patio type situations that were uh, just glorious and I I don't know I I would love to see that sort of thing continue to be allowed because me too. uh guess what it all turned out okay
0: it did. Right? And it, it like, I, I remember seeing some sweet collaboration between a breakfast joint and a fine dining restaurant. And they yeah. shared the space. So during the day, the breakfast joint had the outdoor patio. And then in the evenings, the fine dining restaurant took over and used that space. Um, and I think that one of the most important things that we collectively uh, sort of saw happening is people using our public space. Yes, and connecting to the fact that this is our space, and that it's not about looking for permission to do a thing. You know, like this is where we are, and these are people we live in this community, and this is our space. Which I, I kind of dug, uh, you know, I kind of dug the, that that was happening in the middle of all this.
1: It was so nice, yeah. but it was only possible because of these legislative changes. That's right, right? That's and these right. were—I'm pretty sure these ones here were were temporary. And, you know, it's unfortunate. I hope they will revisit them because obviously in Ontario, we've just had such strict liquor laws for yes. so long. And there's been a very loud, you know, group of people saying like, we, we you know, we have to keep the regulations very tight because or else it's going to, you know, it's going to be pandemonium and it's going to be drunk people everywhere. And, right. you know, we didn't really see that at all. I, I know I can compare, uh, The situation to a good friend of mine in in New York who was saying they ran into a lot of uh, trouble there because, like here, they allowed sales of alcohol to take out from Mm -hmm, bars and mm -hmm. restaurants. Um, And there they had huge issues where people would, you know, grab, I don't know, a burger and two beers to take out and then they would step out, crack open one of the beers and drink it on On the street, right, Right. Right. Uh, And that sort of thing. Which, to as far as I know, didn't happen at all. Like, I didn't. Do did you see a single story about that?
0: Uh, I did not see a thing about that. Um, and you right? know, uh, this, this reminds me so much of what happened when cannabis was legalized. Right. Right. There's a parallel here, because I think that a lot of the apprehension towards it and a lot of there was like fear mongering about how it's just going to be like clouds of pot smoke in the streets and everybody was going to be stoned and useless uh, all over the place once that accidents. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And that was 100 percent not the case at all. It's just a bit of fear mongering by the people who have the control, perhaps, you know, that's really what's happening. And then that we are still sensible people. Um, It just
1: happened, you know, just like these patios just happened. The difference being that, uh, you know, as we pointed out, these patios and this opening up and this ability to share, you know, really created such a lovely atmosphere in the city, you know, despite the pandemic. And uh, hopefully some of that, some of that will be preserved. It'd be really nice. So now we're getting to fall, winter, mm-hmm. um, which, of course, was sadly this the second wave. Right. And fall, we were all sort of reluctant.
0: Yeah, we were really reluctantly yeah. still very much in pandemic mode at that time yeah. of year. I remember that. That was the great disappointment for, for all of us. Right. Yeah. That That school was not, you know, that it all wasn't back to normal. That's right. OK.
1: And it's interesting that one of the ways the government... You know, reigned us in in September was to prohibit the sales of alcohol after 11 p.m.
0: Right. Okay.
1: I guess the thinking was if you, you know, if you stop selling alcohol, then people will not be that interested to be out anymore. And that was, uh, except you could still do takeout and delivery of
0: alcohol. Right. That so time. potentially so. you could stay in your bubble and get trashed, just not be That's out right. with other people getting <laughs> trashed. That's right.
1: <laughs> and okay. just for fun, I just wanted to, to point out all these things have happened. Uh, we're now uh, in the fall, and it's not until this October, October 2020, with the second wave, that mask-wearing indoors became mandatory. What? In Ontario. What? Really? Yes. Um, it was mandatory in certain cities and in certain areas, but it didn't become, you but know... it took us that long. Right. So all these changes, all in this indoor- has happened.
0: Whoa. Yeah. That's... uh. That's insane. That's like six months, seven months after it hits yeah. that we that we wait for legislation to mandate wearing masks indoor. Okay, that's okay, fine. <laughs> that, that feels crazy. So that's
1: October. Uh, and then a very interesting tidbit uh, in December. And uh, I'll lead with the legislation or the, I guess the directive that came okay. out. And then what we're going to need to unpack this one a little bit. Okay, okay. And what happened on December 6th of uh, 2020 is that Ontario the government of Ontario directed the LCBO not to do deliveries. So the LCBO had been planning to do, or they had s- just started to do uh, deliveries to customers using Skip the Dishes. And yes, I remember
0: this. Yep. To stop. Okay, so let's okay, let's talk about this. What's this all about? Yes. Uh, so. So. What I I remember from the the food industry perspective, there was a lot of uproar, Uh, but why was everybody so upset?
1: Why people were upset was that there is a rule here in Ontario that not a lot of people are aware of, and uh, I remember being pretty upset when I found out about it, and understandably a huge number of people are very upset, which is that bars and restaurants purchase alcohol from the lcbo at the same price as we do so they do not get any kind of wholesale
0: pricing that is that's crazy yeah (laughs) i bet a lot of people will be very surprised to learn that right yes so so what that
1: means is you know if i buy a beer from the lcbo it's it's let's say it's 250 the a bar buys that beer from the LCBO. They also have to pay two fifty. So then they have to sell it for more than that. Yes. Right. So the issue that occurred here is so n- the advantage that the the bars and restaurants had was that they de- they delivered.
0: That's right. So That's yeah, right. I'm
1: going to pay a little more for that bottle of beer, but at least but the it's service come to my house.
0: The, make it worth it. Sure.
1: Right. So now the LCBO, which is the government. Which For is God's the sake. entity that has decided that the wholesale pricing isn't going to happen? Right. Decides they're delivering directly to consumers now that you know
0: is now going to undercut the consumer and undercut uh, restaurants and bars and oh, forget.
1: So there was an uproar, yes. but uh, thankfully, you know, it it led to a immediately an immediate halt to the situation. That's yes, but I think more importantly, it it seems to really have started this conversation about wholesale pricing yes, and then and i really think it's, it all is. it's needed
0: yep. mm-hmm. um, well and when and you I, think about we think about like this is one way if we, if if subsidies are necessarily able to continue this is a great way to to offer some financial support uh to a bar or restaurant and you know in an, in an attempt to build things back you know and, and to get started again uh this would be a very useful way to give people a break uh because it's yeah, just and it's ridiculous i think the
1: lcbo can afford
0: it you know, what yeah, I'm saying? You think, I think maybe they can. <sighs>
1: you know, That's they've uh, they they clearly, you know, obviously they're going to make less money, but, uh, you know, they've maybe they could take that out of their advertising budget, which has always entertained me. It's like, why are you advertising? You're the only place we can buy. Yeah, no, no, exactly. What, what, why are you black, putting up posters
0: text on a white it's, sheet of paper telling us what's there? Yeah,
1: no, no. <laughs> um, That's right. Okay. So, you know, interestingly, in BC, they're piloting uh, a program with wholesale pricing. So right. worst case, maybe Ontario will just pay attention to what goes on there and see yep. Yep.
0: Uh, if there's something how positive, that, how sure. that
1: works. Um, but it is. It's just crazy
0: it, that they don't. Like,
1: when I found out I was, this was a couple of years ago, I was just like, how does that even it doesn't make sense on any level. Right. And, no and particularly pricing. when you have
0: a premier standing there talking about how much they care about small business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And listen, uh, to connect to uh, uh, our restaurants piece, it's also another bit of evidence uh, about the fact that the, the the peculiarities of their hospitality industry need to be more addressed and need to be more understood. Like this is a hell of a hand tied behind your back when you try to have a business and run a thing and, you know. Uh, this is not helping at all, uh, and so it, we 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 have to talk about it. It's nuts. Yeah,
1: and you know, on one hand, I'm sure most consumers were assuming that there was wholesale pricing. Yes, uh, and on the other hand, they were annoyed at how expensive things are but that's exactly they, you it. know they have to be that expensive if there's yeah. no wholesale pricing so but important uh, to
0: know where the uh, where the furrowed brow needs to get pointed it's not yes. at the bartender uh right no, or the restaurateur exactly. stacking prices it's on the government tying everybody's hands behind their back like
1: this right yeah yeah they have no choice no. Yeah. Um, so getting back to our timeline, another super interesting thing that happened uh, December 2020
0: mm-hmm. is,
1: of course, I'm, I'm sure you'll remember that mixed drinks were allowed
0: for takeout. I do remember takeout. this. I do uh,
1: And this is really big because previously establishments that were known for mixing cocktails and that sort of thing, they were their only option was to sell a, a closed bottle of spirit, like a full bottle of spirits. Uh, or a couple, you know, depending on what you needed yes, to make the cocktail. Right. And then they could sell you the mixer. Whereas moving forward, now they can go ahead and make that cocktail for you and then put it in a mason jar or a bottle or whatnot. Right. And then, uh, that can be purchased. So that's super exciting. It opens up a a doors. Deal. Yeah, definitely great for, you know, spirits producers, which as we talked about in the last episode, were struggling. Mm-hmm. Quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I don't know because that same month, of course, the takeout and delivery of alcohol became permanent in Ontario. Right, but the, so I don't tidally, know if that like covers that. Yeah. yeah I don't know if that's going to cover the mixed drinks. uh I don't know if you you remember Christine. We talked to her in of uh, season two, right. episode twenty four uh about prohibition in the U.S. It was really yes. cool. So I was talking to her about this mixed drink thing and she she pointed out something that i hadn't thought of which is the and you probably have uh, based on your background but there's a food mm-hmm. safety issue here
0: right yes of course the egg whites and the yes 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 yes
1: Cause, yeah, of, yes because yeah the dairy
0: so and refrigeration it, and all of the things for sure
1: so you know it might not necessarily occur to someone if you mix a drink you know you mix them a cocktail you, sh- you send it to their house and they'll think mm-hmm. oh i'm you know i'm i'd I've decided I'm not going to have a drink tonight after put all. Put them it in might the bar. Them. Yes,
0: yes, yes. I have to put it
1: in the fridge. Uh, maybe. Um, so so she has some, some concerns around, you know, what that might look like.
0: Okay, that's but, important. Uh, yep.
1: She pointed out something really cool that uh, I hadn't noticed. I can't believe I didn't notice. But there are already some bars that are partnering with small distilleries and what they're doing is the barrel create the the recipe and then they the, they'll send it to the distillery and the still the distillery makes it and they also use their this you know their in-house spirits but then they you know they package it properly and they oh, bottle it oh uh, really and they've been doing it really yeah there there's i think two or three of them already available at the LCBO uh. and Christine sees this as a you know a very put potential way forward and that is super exciting to me like like a craft cocktail made with craft spirits that I can just buy in a bottle I don't know that's that's there's so many reasons
0: why that's cool one is this sort of innovation of the of having different takes on using one one constant ingredient yeah is very cool but as something I've I've never been a huge beer drinker and the idea that you can just have a great cocktail in a jar, in a bottle, you know what I mean? In a bottle that can be in the ice bucket, like the rest of all of the nice portable single serve drinks feels quite exciting to me. I like that a lot. For sure. So hopefully there'll be more partnerships like that. And, uh,
1: you know, overall, obviously the, the impact of COVID has been devastating Mm -hmm. on bars, absolutely devastating. But as with our previous episode with the alcohol producers, you know, there's been all this jiggling around of laws and loosening of uh, regulations. Some walls came
0: down, right? Some right? really, th- walls came down that we never thought would change until the stakes got high enough to pull them down. Yeah. So the yeah, yeah. I hesitate to say it, but the long-term impact
1: is actually positive, uh-huh. right? Yep. Uh, not I to mention that. now that there's the scrutiny of wholesale pricing, so hopefully that that'll happen. And the only thing that has not happened here in Ontario, which is a little bit annoying, because it's definitely been allowed elsewhere, is the allowing people to drink in parks. Because of course, you know, with uh, the rules being what there are, and then the need for social distancing and the gathering outdoors, it makes so much sense to just pilot it. Let's just just allow it. I'm sure it'll be fine. But um, we won't all
0: just be drunk and passed out on benches all over the place, yeah. right? That's the and implication, I know, yeah. right?
1: Certainly in Toronto, it was it was considered and it was debated, and they decided against. I think in Vancouver, I believe they just they they they're going to give it a try again. They're right. they're being very adventurous in Vancouver, uh, in BC, with the piloting. Uh, And apparently I did not know this. I can't believe I didn't know this, but in Quebec, it's been allowed
0: all along. It's totally. (laughs) Ah, It makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Uh, Merci, Quebec. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, I love this. I love that this has pushed us to rethink how we drink, who, where we drink, you know, and what, you know what I mean? How kind of archaic and, and ridiculously paternalistic a lot of our rules are. So this, this feels like a distinctly positive impact okay Mirella what have we learned I
1: think the lesson here is obvious which is uh Ontario and probably the world is ready for looser liquor
0: laws right right and then we're all all grown-ups who can pretty much just handle ourselves that's
1: right the world's not going to end
0: that's it. <laughs> All right, dear listeners, this is an easy call to action for you this time. We want you to go out there and have a drink instead of buying it at the LCBO or the grocery store. In fact, here's some inspiration from you. We heard a lovely message uh, from some, uh, some bar folks. Uh, I believe they were in Ottawa. They got a calculator out and did the numbers and figured out that if each of us drinks 119 beers, we will have helped the industry recoup its losses. So- so get out there above a above 19-year-old aged uh, folks and drink on a patio and do your share to get to your 119. If you are enjoying our podcast,
1: please support us at patreon.com/slash hotplatepod. Hotplate is part of the Frequency Podcast Network. Please consider leaving us a rating or review. It helps others find us. You can follow us on Instagram at Hot Plate Pod. Follow me at Virology on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And follow Joshna at Joshna Maharaj on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Hot Plate is produced by Mirella Amato, that's me, and Dennis Coyne. Original music by her brother. Thanks for listening.